Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Pivoli, Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. In this episode, we will be taking a closer look at the CIA's Climate Change and Sustainability Committee as it changes leadership and looks forward to setting priorities for the coming year. So joining us today are outgoing chair André Choquette, incoming chair Houston Chang, and committee member Vincent Carrier-Cote. Thank you all for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for inviting us, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, Andre, maybe we'll start with you. I was hoping you could just give us a brief history of the Climate Change and Sustainability Committee and also explain to us what the mandate for this group has been. Sure, Chris. The committee started in 2014 under the leadership of Karen Lockridge, FCIA. Other pioneer actuaries have helped move the committee forward and gain greater recognition. Pioneers like Catherine Jacques Brissette, Gaetano Guerretto, and Yves Gerard, to name a few. The mandate at the beginning was twofold raise awareness of the impact of climate change on insurance companies and asset owners, which are, as you know, two major employers of actuaries. And secondly, highlight the role of actuaries in managing risks and bringing solutions, solutions to the mitigation or adaptation to climate change. One important realization at that time was the actuaries climate index. This index is an objective measure of changes in extreme weather events. It's mostly an educational tool, but the data have been used by policymakers as well. It helps build the credibility of the profession in the climate change field. It shows we were getting involved around the same time as Paris Agreement was getting formed. So what are some of the issues that the Climate Change and Sustainability Committee has been focusing on recently? I was chair for the last two years, and during that time we were responsible for, one, educating actuaries on the relevance of climate change risks to our work two, spearheading research, three, supporting advocacy efforts and providing input on public policy, and four, promoting the expertise of actuaries within Canada and internationally in the area of climate-related risks. Can I tell you the accomplishments I'm most proud of during my term? Absolutely. So number one, I would say, was raising the issue of climate and sustainability to the board level. In 2022, we created a steering committee of the board to better engage and collaborate across practices. This committee produced the January 2023 climate letter to the membership that Houston will talk about. Number two, we've had lots of engagement with public policymakers like OSFI, the Canadian Association of Pension Supervisory Authorities, CAPSA, and the CSA, the Canadian Securities Administrators, on their guidelines and regulations for the financial sector as it relates to climate. We also provided quality education material for actuaries with several webcasts, sessions at the ACT meetings, and content for actual exams. One source your listeners should consult is the International Actuarial Association series of papers on climate change and sustainability. Many CIA members have collaborated on almost all of these papers, and I'm really super proud of our association's involvement in pushing the frontier of actuarial science. Finally, the CIA also last year became a supporting member of the United Nations Environment Program Finance Initiative. It is a consortium of banks, insurers, and investors that aim to deliver more sustainable global economies. Now, your current job is kind of interesting because you actually work for an ESG consulting firm. Can you tell us a bit about your role there? I started my career as a pension actuary, and later on, I moved to risk management and eventually investment management for asset owners. Now, I bring all this background to an ESG advisory firm in Montreal called Milani. We have broadly two types of clients 
Number one, we have asset owners or asset managers for whom we develop a strategy to integrate ESG, including climate-related risks, into their investment processes. And the other type of client are corporations for whom we develop a strategy to identify and showcase the key ESG topics that increase enterprise value. So the interesting part is that these two types of clients are related. The asset owners and managers end up investing in the corporations that display a good grasp of their ESG topics. So my role there at Milani is to work with my colleagues from very different backgrounds. I mean, none of them are actuaries. And together we drive these strategic projects from beginning to end. Great. And do you have any advice for actuaries that would like to break into this space as part of their practice? For sure, Chris. It's certain that some level of knowledge of ESG and climate is needed to get into this space. The field is constantly changing. Actuaries who thought their studying years were over after actual exams may not want to apply here. To some extent, you can study on your own. I mean, this is what I did over the years. In 2016, when I was an investment consultant at a pension consulting firm, I got interested in the space after listening to a talk by David Suzuki that he gave to a group of food executives at a conference. And soon after, the Ontario government mandated that pension plans had to include in their investment policy a statement related to ESG integration. So I became gradually like the ESG champion in my office and learning through conferences and different sources. I mean, there's also the possibility of obtaining a certificate. For example, there are sustainable finance certificates available. One is from our sister organization, the IFOA in the UK. The CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst, also has one. And some universities offer very good sustainable finance programs, including my own alma mater at Concordia University in Montreal. So I believe in general, actuaries can bring two amazing attributes to this space of climate and sustainability. At a technical level, we've been doing complex scenario analysis, stress testing, model building since the dawn of insurance companies. Surely we have something to say and do when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions, data management, or climate scenario analysis. And secondly, our reputation as a trustworthy profession with a robust code of conduct, professional standards, and a disciplinary process brings rigor to a space that sometimes, to be frank, contains a bit of a with too much fluff or incomplete analysis. I think our motto, you know, the work of science is to substitute facts for appearances and demonstrations for impressions, you know, suits us well. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing. We'll turn to Houston now, and we're going to have a bit of a look forward for the CCSC. So I was hoping you could talk to us about what the committee is going to be looking at over the coming year and what are some of the goals you would like to accomplish. Sure. I mean, I think a lot of it is really building on the work that, you know, as Andre put it, some of the pioneers have set up. I've certainly been aware of the works of the CCSC for quite a while, and I think this coming year is going to be a big year. So just just getting involved was an interesting aspect when I was talking to Andre about the handover as to, you know, what, what work's been done over the last couple of years. What are we looking forward to over the next couple of years? And I, I think this is a bit of a transition time. So a lot of the resources that both on the actuarial side, but as well as other areas within the insurance industry, are, we're really transitioning from the implementation of IRF-17 to a different acronym, different set of acronyms. Like So ESG is definitely getting a lot of airtime now and, and really just 
being part of the dialogue that management and boards are, are having in terms of you know what's the next focus and what kind of risks should management be looking at. But obviously, a big part of it is climate. So climate within the E, it's something that that's easy to focus on for different aspects within the actuarial realm. So obviously, on the PNC side, we have the physical risk, and on, on the life and health side, there's a bit of both, right? Transition and physical risk, and definitely pension. There's as Andres mentioned, there's lots of issues there that the climate related. So what we're looking forward to is really starting to get the general practitioner involved. And some of it will come from the CIU board statement that was recently released, and we can talk a bit more about that. But I think it's really a couple of keywords, collaboration, and, and collaboration both officially and unofficially within the CIA, as well as with other professions and other actuarial organizations. And how we see that is that we want to foster a bit of a collaboration between you know, the CCSC, right? So the, the Climate Change and Sustainability Committee, as well as other committees within CIA that you know will be impacted by this. And what we're seeing is OSFI is going to be releasing the guideline B15 very shortly. You know, by the time I think the podcast is out, the final guideline B15 will be out already. And there's going to be other work that actors will have to do as well, especially on the insurance side, in terms of considering climate-related risks in, in financial condition testing, as well as any upcoming regulatory standardized stress testing and scenario tests. What we want to do is collaborate with various committees, such as the PCFRC, Clifford, PPFRC, to form a working group so that, you know, we can provide tools and a bit of a think tank for actuaries to look through, okay, well, how do we start this thing? What do we do? To motivate and educate the actual community on how climate risk ought to be considered within our actuarial work. And we're also working with the education side, as Andre had put so eloquently, that, you know, we are trying to educate the actuarial community as to well, there's areas that you got to start with. There's there's a lot of other work that's been done from parties outside of the CIA and also Canada. So we want to bring some of that at the Climate Change and Sustainability Symposium. So that's another thing that the CCSC is working on. And the last thing is we want to continue some of the research efforts that's been suggested or has been put into motion from the CCSC. So we're working with different research ideas and get some of those off the ground so that we can help actors integrate climate risk into our work. Yeah, let's turn back to that uh, board statement that you mentioned a moment ago on climate issues. Can you give us a summary of what was in that statement and what should CIA members take away from that? I mean, I think a lot of the summary was actually discussed from Andre's perspective already, but it really just kicks off by stating that CIA support the United Nations Environment Programs uh, Finance Initiative. Here really it's, it's two main points. So CIA is committed to sharing our expertise right, on a national and global level, right, and that the CIA is going to undertake research right, and providing guidance and support to the actuarial profession. So both of those are key areas for being supportive of this initiative from the UN. Other areas that the, the statement had kind of discussed was highlighting some of the key global initiatives that are relevant to our field of practice. So from the creation of International Sustainability Standards Board to OSFI's B15, which we mentioned already, to some of Bank of Canada's use of scenario analysis, as well as CAPSA, right? So the Canadian Association of Pension Supervisory Authorities. So work that all of these different either regulatory or uh, financial organization have put together and set forth on, right? So just highlighting that, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we ought to consider and, and be on top of the, the climate change and climate risk. Other areas that the statement covered was giving some examples. So just putting some pen to paper as to what, what are the risks? We talk about physical risk, transition risk, and liability risk. And what do they mean? Kind of putting that from the insurance perspective and pension perspective as to where might you see some of these risks so that, you know, you don't have to dig too far or dig too deep to a certain of these areas so that you can picture what, what are we working towards. But the main thing really is the call to action. 
I think this is something that I personally have been trying to see what can we do as an actuarial profession. We know this is something that's been discussed for quite a while at various levels when CCSC was formed specifically for this purpose. And I think it really speaks to Andre's point again, right? This is our skill set and we have a professional framework that allows us to be credible in terms of performing some of this work. So I think we have a key role to play, especially in our traditional areas of practice, where we practice in insurance, via PNC or life and health, as well as, as well as pension and investment. This is our bread and butter, and this is where we need to know how climate impact our work. We need to know how to integrate the considerations for climate risk into our work, right? And, and that's where we, we need to focus on. Just everyone is in this together, and we, we got to have, have a bit of a wake-up call that this is the year, right? This is the year that we, we need to start working together on it. Okay, great. Well, best of luck in your new role as chair. And now we'll turn to Vincent, who's also a member of the committee. And I was hoping you could jump in and give us just a description of your current job and how do climate issues and climate considerations affect your day-to-day practice? I'm a manager in uh, EY's life insurance and actuarial advisory services practice. I will start off by saying that climate risk and you know sustainability is not necessarily my day job, although I would say that is starting to change, at least to some extent, and we can get into how and the, and the why behind that in a, in a moment. So my areas of focus have been a bit more traditional uh, in the life insurance consulting space. So I did a lot of actuarial modeling work, especially early on in my career, built a pretty good foundation in GGY access software. I've done a good amount of financial reporting, more recently focused on IFRS 17, which I think has been kind of a good launching pad for some of the work that's more climate related that I've started doing recently. Um, and again, we'll cover that in a second. And then uh, recently, I've done quite a bit of uh, more strategic reinsurance work, things like enforce management, as well as helping uh, insurers look at uh, strategies to optimize their capital, notably looking at uh, setting up reinsurance entities in, in other jurisdictions uh, like uh, Bermuda. I was hoping you could give us a bit of advice for younger CIA members or newer members that want to get more deeply involved in climate issues. What are some of the things that they can do? I would say one, definitely sign up for internal initiatives at work. And I would say don't be shy about expressing your interest in those topics to your colleagues. For example, in my case, you know, I made it a point to connect with other practices within my firm. So for example, I reached out to some of my colleagues in the, the UK actuarial practice because, you know, as, as, as you probably know, Europe and the UK in particular are a lot more advanced in the space. Um, you know, they're, they're probably several years ahead of us here in North America, and, and that's in large part to them having more regulation over there. So I got to know them. I got to know what they're doing. I also connected with folks from our insurance accounting and climate change and sustainability practices, you know, that are more climate experts and and their projects, you know, while they're not necessarily actuarial in nature, they're a pretty good entry point to our own clients and actuarial. So we often share the same clients uh, in particular with, with insurance accounting. So I would say that reaching out to those folks, you know, really helped me learn about the subject matter, but also about the kind of work that insurers are currently doing in this space. It also helped me develop my network uh, in that space and, and, you know, advertise the actuary's role as well. I've felt quite a bit of support from leadership at my firm. So I, I would say 
you know, leadership's often looking for individuals that want to own this stuff and that want to be the go-to person. So it's it's pretty important, I think, to get a foot in the door early, um, if possible, if you're interested in those topics. So, so that would be one. I would say also, if you're someone like me, where climate risk is not necessarily your day job, I, I would say look for connections between climate considerations and, and what actually is your bread and butter that can then help, you know, make climate risk a bigger component of your day job. So one example that probably relevant for, for many Canadian actuaries is the establishment of the ISSB, International Sustainability Standards Board, by the IFRS Foundation. Um, and I say it's you know probably relevant to many Canadian actuaries because that is an entity under the umbrella of the IFRS Foundation, and, and they actually have offices in Montreal. And their objective is to develop global sustainability-related disclosure standards. And I think they actually have plans to start issuing standards later this year. And I think that a lot of actuaries in Canada have probably spent the last few years working on IFRS 17-related initiatives. So getting familiar with insurance accounting standards, you know, in terms of external reporting and disclosures. And, and so I think pivoting to ISSB standards, you know, if there's interest, may be kind of a natural fit for those actuaries. A more personal example for me that's, that's led to some real concrete work uh, in this space is, so I mentioned earlier that, you know, I've done some work to help insurers look at the feasibility of establishing a Bermuda reinsurance entities, which sounds very niche and not related to climate risk at all. But recently, the, the Bermuda Monetary Authority, the, the regulator over there, issued a, a guidance note on the management of climate change risks. And so one of our prior insurance clients uh, reached out to colleagues in line to help them develop a, a current state assessment and a roadmap towards compliance with the BMA's expectations. And, and I was able to get involved with that project through my prior work in that jurisdiction and the, the relationships I'd built with our colleagues over there. So, so all that to say that, you know, it might start out as being more in the periphery of your day job, but there are definitely ways um, to, to make it a bigger component of it if you look for them and if you have an open mind. And then maybe I'll say as well, um, you know, I, I would make it a point to stay up to date with publications and, and research in the space. A really good example and something that was kind of an entry point for me were the IAA's series of papers published by their climate risk task force um, that, you know, that are really targeted to actuaries. I would also say, you know, look at what uh, some standard setting bodies are publishing, like the, the task force for climate related financial disclosures. And then even our own committee, uh, you know, if you go on the CIA's CCSC resources page, we have a pretty good list of resources there. So found it useful to compile kind of my own little library of useful resources to, to sift through at my own pace and get educated on the topics. Can Sorry? I add something, Chris? Yes, want, absolutely. Go ahead. I just wanted to add, it's not you forgot, maybe applying to the CCSC might be another way of getting involved and I remember Vincent actually um, reached out to me when I was chair of the CCSC, and I really uh, liked his enthusiasm and his desire to get involved with climate change and sustainability. So there he is now, part of the committee. That could be somebody else in the audience. Absolutely. Thanks, Ali. Yeah, fantastic. We're always happy to get more volunteers, so that's great. We covered a lot of ground today, so uh, thanks, everyone, for coming on today's episode. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. If you enjoyed today's conversation, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast series and catch up on prior episodes. As well, if you have any ideas for a future episode or you would like to contribute to our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, we would love to hear from you. Contact information can be found in the show description. Until next time, I'm Chris Fiboli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.